What's going on, family? Happy Monday and welcome to The Faction. Hope all is well with you. Hope you are doing well and hope you had a great weekend as we're ready to jump into another week in the world of pro wrestling. Lord, there's so much that's happening. And this was a very big weekend in the world of pro wrestling. Of course, we'll be getting into that. So stay tuned for that. But first, we want to say a big thank you to all of those who have joined us by way of social media, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at The Faction Show. We appreciate you. Big shouts to all of our friends who are joining us by way of podcast you are listening to us wherever you're joining us thank you so much it certainly means the world to me and to the entire crew that you're hanging out with us so if you're not connected to us in either of those ways here's how you do it on the socials at the faction show on facebook instagram and twitter and then of course click the subscribe button to wherever it is that you're listening to us and you can get notifications as well if you'd be so kind to rate us and leave a comment as well we would absolutely appreciate that So shout out to our top three cities for the week, Philadelphia at number three, New Orleans at number two, and the good folks in Charleston, West Virginia, who absolutely spent some time listening to the faction last week. We really appreciate that. Shout outs to our friends in the UK and Spain as well who had a great week for us. Now then, let's dive into all that happened this weekend because it really was a jam-packed weekend. First of all, on SmackDown, SmackDown landed an average of 2.042 million viewers, which is up from last week's 1.997 million viewers, a gain of nearly 50,000 viewers, about 45,000 to be precise. They stayed over the 2 million mark, and from hour one to hour two, they only lost 9,000 viewers. That's a big deal. That's a big win. So it's good to see SmackDown up from last week back into the 2 million mark. And again, I think we got a bit of a swerve at the end of SmackDown, thinking that Cesaro was going to get a Universal Championship match. Instead, Daniel Bryan gets it, and he gets it this Friday. And on top of all of that, if he loses... He's gone from SmackDown. Let me just tell you what my Spidey senses sense, dare I say. There has been talk and rumor that Daniel Bryan, number one, did not feel the normal connection to the wrestling fans that he has in the past during this year's WrestleMania. He said it felt almost like an out-of-body experience and has been trying to process what that means. There's also talk that with his contract ending in September that he's actually interested in wrestling for other promotions and the WWE. Now, most of us can pretty much imagine that's probably not going to happen. But it makes me wonder, a match like this, which has main evented two different pay-per-views and should make event this next pay-per-view won't not if Daniel Bryan loses and I honestly don't see Roman Reigns losing the Universal Championship on an episode of Smackdown so in my mind this is how you get Daniel Bryan off of TV this is how you get Daniel Bryan really looking to figure out okay what do I want to do with the rest of my wrestling career Could this be the swan song for Daniel Bryan? An episode of SmackDown 
Lots of questions to be answered, but we will certainly discover those answers this Friday. And you've got to think that Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship on SmackDown, that should be a big ratings grab, or so I'd like to think. So there's that. We're also seeing Cesaro being inserted into the main event picture, which also is intriguing to see. Long time coming. And the question is, will he again be served up to the head of the table? Or could we see the upset of upsets? Cesaro becoming the universal champion, which certainly seems like it should be his destiny at some point. So we'll be taking a look at that and all of these other developments on SmackDown, which speaking of developments, I am liking the fact that Bianca's first title match will be against Bailey at WrestleMania Backlash. I think this is a great move. One of the things that WWE creatively has done that has not served them well over these last few years is at a Backlash or wherever, giving us WrestleMania rematches so often that they're no longer special. I hearken back to 2018. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura when we only saw that at Wrestle Kingdom then we see it at WrestleMania we see a heel turn and then we see that match happen five times in six weeks over three different pay-per-views what is really going on right and of course that really in my opinion began the downward spiral in WWE for Shinsuke Nakamura do not overuse something that works give it to us sporadically so that it will still work don't make Bianca versus Sasha something common make it special and so my hope is that we don't see that honestly till SummerSlam that there can be enough things going on with the both of them that they don't align or collide again until SummerSlam where it would be special for us that's my hope that's my thought. We'll see what they actually do. But the idea that Bailey is getting this title shot certainly serves as a good move for Bianca and for WWE fans everywhere. So that's that. On the New Japan side of things, we had some big news happening this past Friday night. Congratulations to Filthy Tom Lawler, who defeated Brody King in an eight-man tournament that spanned over three weeks to win the New Japan Cup USA tournament and in turn become the first ever New Japan Strong Open Weight Champion. That's a big deal because that is the first title for New Japan in the States, meaning this, it is an exclusive title that belongs to this NJPW of America situation that produces the NJPW Strong movement. So congratulations to New Japan. They continue to expand what they're doing, and it's got to be hard hosting matches like this with no audience, considering that in Japan, of course, Audiences are very much present at New Japan shows. Speaking of that, this is big news here. As the show set for May the 8th, 10th, and 11th in Corican Hall in Tokyo, Japan, have been canceled due to a, quote, state of emergency declared across Tokyo. Now, the decision to cancel these three events on the road to Wrestle Grand Slam tour 
is a result of New Japan wanting to keep fans safe and staff and wrestlers safe. Though matches with no fans in attendance were considered, New Japan decided that it would be in the best interests of staff and wrestlers to have them not participate in these events as they prepare for two larger events, which would be Wrestle Grand Slam that happens on May the 15th at Yokohama Stadium and the return to the Tokyo Dome on May the 29th. So that's really interesting. It's intriguing to me because, you know, again, it seemed like things in Japan were going really, really well. For them to cancel these three events and for there to be a state of emergency across Tokyo says a lot about this pandemic, says again that it is very serious and that I hope we are all taking it seriously worldwide as COVID-19 has not gone away. As a result of COVID-19, we had Impact Wrestling, which Impact, again, welcomes no fans. They have not had fans since, of course, April of 2020. I'm going to get into that and what happened with that in just a few minutes. Attention wrestling fans. Southern Honor Wrestling returns to the Action Building Friday, May 7th for SHW 27. Witness SHW's first ever bunkhouse brawl match as the team of fear takes on David Ali and Austin Towers. The real mean girl, Danny Jordan, makes her long-awaited return to action as she faces off against Catalina Perez. Owen Knight looks for payback as he takes on the outlandish Zicky Dice. Lethal Poison defend their tag team titles against the winner of Technical Excellence versus the Honor Society. Also in action, AC Mack, Ashton Starr, Ben Buchanan, and a battle between two hosses as William Huckabee and Cyrus the Destroyer finally meet one-on-one. -on -one. Tickets on sale the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. You don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling. All right, guys, before we jump into what happened with Impact Wrestling over the weekend, some sad news to report. We talked about this on our social spaces over the last couple of days, but former NFL player and WCW wrestler Steve Mongo McMichael revealed in a recent interview with the Chicago Tribune that he is currently battling ALS. He stated that he originally thought that he was dealing with a neck or spine-related issue, but it was first suggested that it could be ALS instead during a visit to a neurosurgeon at the May Clinic in Minnesota in September of 2020. It's believed that the disease likely began forming in him some 36 months ago, which is three years. Now, we have an article about this, including video on our Facebook page where he is being interviewed, and I've got to tell you, in my opinion, it is somewhat tough to watch to see what is the demise right now of Steve Mongo McMichael, who is currently 63 and was known, of course, as a former commentator for WCW Nitro and at one time a member of the Four Horsemen. So certainly our thoughts and prayers are with him and with his family as he battles this disease. And absolutely, we want him to win. With that said, speaking of wins, let's go to Impact Wrestling and talk about their big pay-per-view that happened last night. It's called Impact Rebellion, which was headlined by what was believed to be a historic title match between the AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and the Impact World Champion Rich Swan. title for title. Now, let me go ahead and say that I've got spoilers coming your way right now, so if you're not interested in spoilers, go ahead and pause this podcast, 
And if it doesn't matter to you, keep on listening because I've got spoilers happening from Impact. So Impact Wrestling presented Impact Rebellion last night. Lots of big news coming out of that. Speaking of COVID again, no fans present at Rebellion, which I have to say this. AEW has found a way. NXT has found a way. SmackDown and Raw have found ways to have some degree of representation of fans or crowd noise at their tapings or at their live shows. It is a stark difference between the AEW product, the NXT product, the Raw and SmackDown product that have representations of fans versus the Impact product, the Ring of Honor product, and I'll even say the NXT UK product, though the NXT UK product at the very least has some semblance of the Thunderdome, right? But Impact Ring of Honor, you definitely feel not having fans present. And for what was supposed to be a historic main event with Kenny Omega versus Rich Swan, title for title, fans should have been present. Now, again, it's happening in Nashville. I don't think that they obviously have found a way to do it safely. So for the best interest of everybody involved, nobody was present. But with that said, I think the level of history that this had should have had some representation of fans. With that said, some titles changed hands last night, including the X Division Championship. Congratulations to Josh Alexander, who defeated Ace Austin and TJP to become the new X Division Champion. Another championship changed hands as the Knockouts Tag Title changed hands. Jordan Grace and the debuting Rachel Ellering, the daughter of Precious Paul Ellering, defeated the team of Fire and Flava, Kiara Hogan and Tasha Steeles, to become the brand new Knockouts Tag Team Champions. And again, Rachel Ellering debuting in Impact Wrestling. This is a big deal because Rachel Ellering was formerly a part of NXT. She had participated in both of the Mae Young Classics, never really got the kind of footing that she could. Perhaps she'll do that in Impact Wrestling. Brian Myers defeated Matt Cardona, and if you're not familiar with those names, think about Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. So basically, two former tag team partners, brothers in arms, battling in an impact ring last night. Pretty interesting, and for those who care, Brian Myers, FKA, Kurt Hawkins, defeated Matt Cardona, FKA, Zack Ryder, by way of what's called the roster cut clothesline now the name for that is so intriguing obviously both of them had been cut by wwe in more championship action Finn Juice, the New Japan team of David Finley and Juice Robinson, former IWGP champions, successfully defeated the Good Brothers to retain their World Tag Team Championships. Deanna Perrazzo retained her Knockouts Championship by defeating Tennille Dashwood. We also saw the debut of the former Big Cass. As part of the team Violent by Design, he took the place of Eric Young, who was injured. He's now known as W. Morrissey. His birth name is William Morrissey so certainly a take on that and he got the final fall by defeating Eddie Edwards Willie Mack James Storm and Chris Sabin Willie Mack ends up being pinned by Morrissey by use of the East River Crossing with that said the title for title match AEW World Champion
champion Kenny Omega defeats Rich Swan to become the new Impact World Champion. I just want to spend some time here because I've talked about this by way of a hot take. I've talked about it on Clubhouse. If you follow us on Clubhouse as part of PWA, Pro Wrestling Anonymous, shout out to my crew there. We've talked about this even on a podcast here, but AEW Impact Wrestling. There was a time, as a matter of fact, back in December when Kenny Omega made the move to make his first appearance as AEW World Champion in Impact Wrestling. We all thought that this had potential to be something super special. Two of the significant organizations outside of WWE working together. January, they had a great moment where Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers team up for the first time on an Impact pay-per-view to battle Rich Swan, Moose, and Chris Sabin. Definitely a big move for Impact Wrestling. But suddenly, somewhere between then and now, the fire about this really fizzled. Now, according to Impact, they absolutely love this. They were treating this, obviously, like the big deal that it is for them. But I was always intrigued by the fact that AEW did not talk about the Impact pay-per-view or the, the nature of this match. They didn't talk about it at all. So the question that I've had is, what does it mean when AEW isn't even promoting or talking about Impact Wrestling on their shows? None of the commentators talk about it. There was just a commercial that happened this week on Dynamite about this pay-per-view that's supposed to be landmark, right? Two promotions, their world champions battling, one champion to be crowned from both. Well, earlier last week, Tony Khan appeared on Busted Open Radio and explained why the door between AEW and Impact has seemingly been one way. Here's what he said, quote, people have asked me why I haven't gone out and spent a lot of money promoting Rebellion. It's when I've gone to your guys' show to promote my cards, I've had to pay and buy ads. So basically, he's blaming impact for why AEW doesn't mention this. I say foul on the play. AEW simply doesn't believe that impact is that big of a deal. It's the same reason why there's little to no mention of the fact that Kenny Omega is the AAA world champion. So now Kenny Omega has his third world championship, the AEW world title, the AAA world championship, and now the Impact world championship. Well, why don't you mention the other two on AEW? Well, clearly they don't have the level of prominence that they do. Think about this. Clearly AEW thinks something of the NWA women's world championship as it is not only mentioned on TV, the belt has been on television, and the current NWA Women's World Champion is a contracted AEW wrestler. So, I say all of that to say, Impact has very, very little cachet with AEW. And believe it or not, by AEW's lack of mention of Impact, it really makes Impact look second, third, or fourth league. They're clearly not a player when it comes to this. And you could make the argument then about what WWE thinks about AEW. We've been wondering why did WWE allow Chris Jericho to come on the Stone Cold podcast on the WWE Network on Peacock? Well, clearly it's going to put more eyes on AEW. That's the plan. 
But clearly, WWE must not think that AEW is as large of a threat as AEW thinks if they're going to mention them. Now, there's two different philosophies here that I think are important to talk about. One philosophy is WWE's lack of mentioning of another promotion. They've done that for years. And one of the reasons why is because they wanted to, A, impress upon the fact that they are the only game in town. But bigger than that, they did not want to give any sort of publicity to anybody they considered to be competition. That's why for years there was never a mention of the NWA. All throughout the 80s, you never heard the NWA on WWE television. And if WCW was mentioned, it was mentioned or referenced in somewhat of a shoot promotion. But you never heard the letters WCW readily mentioned on WWE television. So there's that philosophy. The other side of it is for AEW, particularly if you have your man, your world champion fighting for another world championship, why wouldn't you mention it? In this case, them not mentioning it says that Impact does not have the credibility or credence to be mentioned in the same sentence as AEW. And what that does to me is that says the forbidden door between AEW and Impact isn't not only forbidden, it's not even valued. Right. Because more AEW stars have gone over there. There's really no need for an impact star to come to AEW because who in impact wrestling right now is someone that could legitimately compete with someone in AEW. It's also why the Good Brothers are on AEW television. There's no mention that they're former Impact Tag Team Champions. And the disrespect continues when they are aligned with the World Tag Team Champions in AEW, the Young Bucks, who keep saying we're the number one tag team in the world. And you've got the Good Brothers standing back in the corner, nodding their head. The moral of the story is this. Impact Wrestling has no impact. In the rest of the wrestling world. It's that serious. Kenny Omega being their world champion means more to them than it does to AEW. And I would be highly surprised if this week there's even any mention of it. But if there is, it will only be to boost Kenny Omega's cachet. It'll explain why he's now coming out with three belts. And it makes AEW look that much greater when you have Kenny Omega holding all of these championships. But he was the AEW world champion first. What are your thoughts on this Impact AEW crossover? Did you watch the pay-per-view last night? And do you see this move as a much bigger deal than perhaps AEW sees it? Let me know. Let us know in our chat spaces on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Go ahead and leave a comment for us with that. Stay tuned. Of course, we've got all sorts of great content coming your way this week, so be on the lookout for that. And until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the Fourth Horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner. You can call me GB, and you can call us The Faction. Have a great day. I my people. Here we go.